TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. All right, from the last call, of course, great Score North organization, Zolga, Jake DePue. Jacqueline Goff, we are here to react to the Twins taking two or three against the White Sox on the south side of Chicago. And, boys, I'll just start you off with this set of stats and then start with Jake and then Dex. Um, You can elaborate on the stats that I'm about to give you. Nelson Cruz turned 40 years old on July 1st. Today went four for five, knocked in seven runs. He had two doubles, two home runs. He now, in the last 19 games he's played against the White Sox, 12 home runs, 34 RBI. Jake, it is impressive if a guy who's 30 does this. This guy's 40. Age is just a number, Judd. Age is just a number. Um, You're telling me that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to say about the guy. I mean, he hasn't missed a beat. He looks exactly how he looked last year. Uh, he's feasting on, you know, mediocre White Sox pitching today. But, man, I mean, he looks incredible. And, uh, you know, apparently he was training, you know, throughout this whole hiatus uh, in his gym in, in the Dominican. And it's showing he is right on everything. And if he keeps this up for a 60 game stretch, it's going to be great news for the Twins. And it's going to be great news for uh, the contract that he's going to get moving forward with the National League having the, the DH presumably in 2021. I mean, I feel like regression was going to come regardless. I mean, the guy was unbelievable last year at age 39, and, it, and I think it was appropriate to just suggest like, okay, he's probably going to slow down. He can still be an effective hitter. But clearly the guy just picks it right back up and what, seven RBI today, four for five, three home runs already on the season. I, this guy's on pace for what, 60 home runs, a home run a game. He has got the uh, old man strength, if you will, and uh, he's the heart of the lineup. And, and also what he brings off the field is big, and clearly the boomstick isn't slowing down. Yeah, he, he's in great shape, too. I, I did hear uh, during the course of the telecast on Fox Sports North today a comparison, I believe, that was brought up to what uh, Tommy did here by Justin. And here's the one thing that I would say. Jim Tommy's a great story. He is a Hall of Fame player. He's fantastic. But towards the end for Tommy. You were impressed by him, but you always said, you know what I think, Jake DePew? I think we're towards the end for Jim. Like, it was it was coming on. To your point about Cruz, this guy is in great shape. And I talked to him back in March um, because he is in the last year of his contract with the Twins about are you going to keep playing, you know, 41. And at that point in time, there was some talk about him remaining with the Twins. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, are we talking more like – in age 41 as a player, or are we talking about more like mentor coach type of role? And I asked him these questions and he's a very nice guy, but he looked at me and probably rightfully so like I had three heads because I think, I think he puts himself right or wrong in sort of the Tom Brady class of athletes, which is I'm not your typical 40 year old male. I am, I am a guy who can continue to play for quite a while. So I would say the one place where I wouldn't, Draw the comparison is, I think with Tommy, we said, Jim Tommy's really good still, but we're near the end for him, and he's going to try to keep playing. Nelson Cruz, I'm not so sure if I can make a call on when I think he's done based on the fact that what we're seeing right now is nowhere near done, and, and he is in physical shape that I think if you're 28, you're jealous of. So, Judd, the next step for you is to ask him the question that you asked Jim Tommy, which is, do you still want to be here? And that was a bad twins team though. <laughs> oh, and and you were the the only I think the only person in the history of the world that Tommy actually got mad at, right? Yeah, he walked uh, away. It, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we're fine now. I'm sure I'm sure if he yeah. Yeah. 
here's the thing about that Tommy year. That Tommy year was magical for sure, and that Twins team was really good. Um, but he wasn't an everyday player. You know, I mean, he was he. He was in the lineup at DH at Paramount, but he got, what, 300, 350 at-bats that year, maybe? I mean, he was a pinch hitter a lot. Um, and he was, like you said, towards the end. Cruz, I mean, we we kind of laughed at the beginning of the year when there were reports that Cruz and the Twins were way off in terms of contract extension talks. And now I'm thinking maybe Cruz was right to ask for – we don't know what he asked for, but I'm assuming he asked for two or three years. I mean, he's going to get a multi-year deal, and he should. I mean, it, the guy is still one of the best hitters in the American League. I don't, I don't know, Declan, how, you know, what sort of money you would give him if you were running a team, but I would definitely give him two years if he keeps this up, you know, over a 60-game year. I mean, I love playing armchair GM uh, and putting myself in Thad Levine and Derek Falvey's shoes, and I, I would probably give the guy at least a two-year contract, probably looking at an average annual of 15 to 20. I mean, why not? At this point, why not? Uh, and you got a lot of flexibility, too, going forward. Maybe there's a third-year option built into there, but... I, I, the guy just clearly doesn't care about age and he still mashes baseballs. And I'm also trying to still figure out, did we switch baseballs? Are these the same baseballs? Is no, this lineup that good? We, we did not switch. If we were going to switch the onset of a pandemic and, and people thinking probably rightfully so that the commissioner is a bad guy, I think caused baseball people to take off their glasses and say, you know, all those runs we generated in 2019, Jake DePew, Let's keep them coming in 2020. Um, among my observations from, and thank God is back, from weekend one of baseball, the baseballs are the exact same, and they might actually be jumping out of ballparks quicker than they were last year, and that's saying something. Yeah, well, and the other thing is we're starting the season at the heart of in the heart of summer, right? When the ball, I mean, the ball flies in July and August. So you've got the, the juiced up ball and there's no question it's juiced again. And Rob Manfred, I'm sure will uh, not be forthcoming about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's juiced. It's mid July, late July. And look, the hitters look good, man. Yes. Very nice. Good. There's a baseball. Um, good, good demonstration. Um, but yeah, I mean, all across the game, if you look at just game scores, I mean, it, these aren't one. To, there aren't a lot of one to nothing and two to one games. So, uh, yeah, the ball's flying, and that's good news for the Twins. But can we talk about Kenta Maeda for a minute? Yes, he was unbelievable today. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a lot of Maeda other than in the playoffs because he pitched on the West Coast and game started, you know, at ten o'clock at night here where I live on the East Coast. But man, he had a lot of movement. He has what three or four pitches, uh, and he got it up to ninety four, which I didn't realize he had that kind of velo. Um, so it was really fun to watch him. He he made that lineup look silly. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they took bad swings. Uh, they just didn't look like they were on anything um, other than the one home run to Robert, who's just an incredible hitter already. Uh, they really didn't have a lot of hard contact. And if he's going to pitch like that for the rest of the year, I mean, he might be their ace, right? I mean, he, he looked absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know there's a lot of people that thought, well, you're giving up Bruce Dog or Adderall, your top pitching prospect, for a good but not necessarily elite pitcher in Kenta Maeda. And Maeda, just like Rich Hill, was, I think, buried on just an insanely good Dodgers team that had pitching up up front from top to bottom. And Maeda was, has always been very good. He's a little bit of a swing man, too, but I know he's always been explicit that I really prefer just being a starter. And in spring training, I know I think we've had Patrick Royce on Judd and on Mackie Judd the last few weeks, and... He was a little tep- uh, uh, tepid of, uh, about how he was going to perform because he was nibbling a lot in spring training. But today, if he's if he's pitching like that to a White Sox lineup, which, by the way, clearly is going to be, at, if not as good, but pretty close, as good as the Twins lineup, yeah. right. you're, you're going to have a, a formidable horse in the postseason in your rotation. Yep, and we're, I will give him a lot of uh, 
credit for today as well for Kenta is this. It's 9 nothing after 2, and that can go one of two ways. It can go the, the way that it did, and Maeda pitched well, and it was impressive, and, and he gave you 5. But that can also go in the direction of he starts to nibble, right? And it's 9 nothing, and he can't find his groove. and blah. I mean, we've seen those starts too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Jake here. This was impressive. And so how do you guys weigh the, this one? Maeda, good start. Um, Barrios on Friday, not so good. And and now with Hill, he's been pushed back, I believe, to Wednesday because we're going to get Homer Bailey on Tuesday against the Cardinals at uh, Target Field. And um, and we're also not sure when Jake is going to pitch uh, for the first time because he has had a back problem. How do you guys weigh how you feel about the Twins starting staff right now versus a week ago when we thought that there was a little bit more certainty of when Odo and uh, Hill for sure were going to pitch. And I also think that we definitely expected more from Brios. And on Friday, at least we did not get that. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to give Brios a pass. Um, he might've been nervous, you know, it was his first start of the year, long layoff. Let's see how he performs. I still think he's going to take a step forward, uh, but he, he did not look good. I mean, he, he didn't get any swing and miss. I think he had one strikeout. Um, it just didn't go well for him, but, but let's give him a few more starts to, to figure it out. Uh, sure. You know, as far as Hill, I know they said there was no injury, and hopefully that's the case, but it was a little strange, right, to, to scratch him the day, I think it was the day of or, or maybe the night before. Um, so I don't know if there's maybe something going on there that they're not telling us. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. I, I want to see him pitch, and I want to see how long he lasts and um, what his velo is like. But I, I've said this all offseason, and it's been a very long offseason. If Rich, When Rich Hill is healthy, he's one of the best pitchers of the game, honestly. Right. So if he – can do that in you know a short season and, and carry that into October and, and stay healthy and you combine that with Maeda and maybe Barrios you know figures it out I mean suddenly you have a one through three that's looking really good in a short series uh, and they're going to have to you know get through a three game series no matter what to start uh, and then you've got Odorizzi as backup so and Odorizzi has injury issues too and and we'll see but it sounds like it's it's mild with both those guys so um, wait and see I guess Homer Bailey. I don't know, man. I trust Randy Dobnik more than Homer Bailey. He's starting right Tuesday, buddy boy. He's starting yeah. Tuesday night. We'll yeah. find out quickly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the pitching was a, a, I was a little concerned with it after just kind of as, as the broad scheme of it over the last three days. And yeah, Barrios, you would have liked to see when you get a five run spot in the first two innings that you'd be able to hold that and go on cruise control. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. Um, and then the bullpen, though, on Friday looks really good. Saturday, not so much. Yeah. Today was also fine, but obviously the game was pretty much away by the by, by the bottom of the first at at, at at guaranteed rate field today. I I'm still I still need to see this bullpen do this consistently. I think there's a lot of good horses, and I think it's a lot better than it was um, at the beginning of last season. But I think also the Twins are going to have to get really creative with how they use it because right now guys are really only going five innings. Like Kenta could have gone a six inning today; he really could have, but there was no point because the game was out of reach and. And you might as well get some guys some work. So I think it's more of strategic how you deploy the bullpen because obviously pitchers are going to take a little bit while to warm up. But at the same time, you have a 60-game season. So, like, what is full strength for a starting pitcher um, at game no, 12 of, of this weird season? So I, I think it's how you deploy it. And I think that was the biggest knock I had on Baldelli in the postseason of last year was I thought he managed the bullpen kind of uh, in, in not a smart way. So well, how yeah, agree completely. How, how does he how does he rebound this season, knowing that yeah, your pitching staff is better and you probably learned a lesson? And I think it's how you strategically deploy it is is going to be how you, how you're going to make a deep postseason run. 
right? And one thing I want to point out quickly on that point is I think we got a clue about how aggressive they're going to be in that first game, right? Because it was seven, I think it was seven five uh, in the fourth, and they had Trevor May warming up, which in a 162 game season, in the first game of the year, or even the first month in the year, you would never bring in one of your high leverage arms. You never have him warming up in the fourth inning. Uh, and they ended up bringing him in, I think, in the fifth. Uh, and then when the game, and then they brought Duffy in as well. And then the game got a little out of hand and they, they put in Stashek. But that to me suggests that they are going to be aggressive when they get a lead. Um, and I think another interesting thing to, to monitor in terms of how aggressive they're going to be is how long is the leash for Homer Bailey? If he has two, you know, bad starts in a row, do you cut bait? Because I don't I'll think you right there, though. 16 playoff teams. My dog yeah. makes the playoffs now. Like, like this has changed. This is why. I don't have a problem with this concept for this season. I have a problem with finding out on opening day, right? Because the things that we had thought previously, we, we all saw Bailey McStart against the Cubs on Wednesday, and we all thought, oh, my God, if this is who he's going to be, you're in trouble. But now, now the leash, I, I mean, it's what? Every first-place team, you're in the playoffs. Congratulations. Every second-place team, you too. And the next two best teams, you get a playoff berth. So, so Jake, to your point, what we had discussed previously, I would say you're a thousand percent right. And if Bailey has two bad starts, I'm concerned. But now I think that leash gets drawn out a little bit based on, on the fact that you're going to have to, if you're a halfway decent team in 2020, you're going to have to work hard not to make the playoffs. So if, if you're at the Tigers, you just suck and that's fine. But if you're the Twins, you are actively going to have to attempt to sabotage yourself which I think probably gives Bailey a leash that is far more than what we discussed on our uh, Twins podcast that we did, I believe, last Thursday, Jake. You. But do you agree that the White Sox are really good and they're going to be right there? Uh, here's their issue. I agree they can hit. I love their lineup. I love their talent. They got two things that are going to be question marks. Starting pitching. If Keiko pitches, yeah, I like them a lot. But here's the other thing. Did you guys see? They are a replica, in some ways, of the young, gritty, fun-to-watch 2019 Twins. In other words, they have problems picking this up. Tim Anderson is a butcher at shortstop. I mean, he is awful there. They are lackadaisical. Um, I don't know that they have a defense that has their head fully engaged for complete games. So, yes, I like the White Sox. I like where they're going. But I need to see a lot more in, in the next few weeks defensively to say that they have a chance. This this strikes me as a team that's going to outslug you like they did the Twins on Saturday quite a few times, but they're also going to, through either starting pitching or defense or a combination of both, sabotage themselves more than they should, which they need to fix pretty quickly, I would think. Yeah, so their defense is bad for sure. But I just – I don't want to be an alarmist, but I'm with Judd Zolgad, so I'm going to be an alarmist, right? I'm going to put do a little panic mode. Um, if you assume that the White Sox are going to be really good and are going to be there – and you know the Indians will be there because that rotation is just too damn good for them not to be there. You then, then you're worried about a three-way race. And if you lose out on a three-way race, suddenly you're a seven or eight seed and you're fighting for those final spots. So look, I don't think. I mean, the Twins are going to make the playoffs, barring a huge meltdown. But I don't think you can just assume, hey, they're in. Like we don't have to worry about it. We can give Homer Bailey ten starts, even if he sucks. Like you do have to beat one of those two teams to get that guaranteed spot by finishing in the top two in the central. So that's something to at least consider. Yeah. I think this white Sox team is going to be pretty dang good. Um, like Judd said there, there's a lot of similarities to the 2019 team. I mean, Luis Roberts is probably going to be an MVP guy in the next few years. This kid, that kid can rake dude. He's yeah. so, so good. 
Um, and you know, I'm a big Tim Anderson fan. Yeah, he might have some fielding woes, but I, I think he's also got a lot of swagger, and he's great for the game too. Honestly, I, I, I used to grow. I grew up hating the Chicago White Sox and those mid 2000 Twins teams that were really good for a long time. But this White Sox group, kind of fun to watch. Honestly, like I, I honestly like watching them. I, I, I know we don't enjoy doing four hour baseball games, which is pretty much what we average over these three days. But they're going to be fun to watch, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing a team that can mash like that in the postseason. Jake, Luis, Robert, go. He's just unbelievable. I, we were so excited to watch him uh, before uh, you know the season even started. And when I had Russell Dorsey on, uh, who covered the White Sox, he basically said, watch out for this guy. He is going to be a stud right out of the gate. The fact that they gave him $50 million without ever playing a major league game says a lot. And, oh, my God, did he look good. He hits everything hard. He doesn't expand the zone. He's fantastic in center field. I mean, he glides the ball. It's not quite like Buxton, but he looked really good out there. That home run he hit today, I mean, that was a majestic shot to, to straightaway center. This yeah. dude, well, I don't know how old he is, maybe 22, 23 at most. Oh, I mean, yeah. he is going to be a stud for a long, long time. I couldn't have been more impressed. I really couldn't have. Am, am I correct in saying this? And, yes, it's what? Three games in for the kids, so it's complete hyperbole on my part. But am I correct in saying I see some Mike Trout here? Yeah, absolutely. Like big, athletic as hell. Um, he belt. he looks like he's playing baseball, but if I put him on a basketball court or football field tomorrow, he'd be absolutely fine. <laughs> like because because he doesn't glide. Buxton glides because Buxton's a gazelle, right? Buxton's just incredibly smooth and runs like a deer, literally. Um, and he just flows. He glides. Trout and Robert don't glide, but they do the same type of thing where, where you watch them and say, that's not a baseball player. That's a flat-out athlete. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I think this kid's going to be special. I think he's going to be fun. I, I think if you're a Twins fan, he's going to drive you crazy, but that's what could make this fun. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's going to be Mike Trout because there's only one Mike Trout, but right. I do think that's his ceiling is a, a player of that level. Yeah, I, I thought he was awesome, man. Yeah. I I knew he was. I knew last summer there was a lot of flack of you're going to give a minor a guy who hasn't even stepped in the big leagues a fifty million dollar contract. It's kind of really um, reminiscent of like something Tampa Bay would do, right? Like they're just going to lock you up early. They're going to give you a team friendly right. deal and just yep. say go ahead and go. And even though in two to three years you're probably going to come back being like rip up that contract, I want a new one. Um, this guy is going to be a, a force to watch. And 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 I would in that comparison to Trout. Trout was like obviously a, a very built and 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 was an was an had an athletic build, but it wasn't until like years two or three three or four when he really like packed on the extra muscle. Luis Robert already has the muscle on in year one, so like yeah. and, and if he's twenty two twenty three and you're still in those you know quote unquote baby muscles, what's going to happen when that dude's in his twenty seven twenty eight prime and he could be even larger? And when Mike Trout first came up, and granted he was nineteen, but he struggled his his first year. He came up, he played like. 50 games or something, and he struggled. And then the second year, he was an MVP candidate. I mean, Robert, right out of the gate, looks like he's, you know, an eight-year big leaguer. It's, it's incredible. Aaron, right? Yeah, Aaron Judge, the same thing. You know, Aaron Judge came up and struggled a lot, too. And then, right. I mean, that dude, six seven is just naturally humongous. But, yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. So, so three games, 27 runs, I believe six bombs by the Twins. Uh, start with Jake. What did you – what impressed you overall as far as the takeaways from the first three games of the 60-game season – and uh, if there is a Zolgadian-like time to panic or concern, what is your concern that you saw on the field the past three days? 
Um, so what impressed me, obviously the offense, I mean, how could that not impress you? They look like they're picking up exactly where they were last year. I mean, they hit a home run on the first freaking pitch of the season. Um, so yeah, the offense looks it, like they're in midseason form. Maeda to me is probably the most impressive thing, uh, that I saw because we expect that out of the offense. We didn't know quite how good Maeda would be and man. He looked really good. Uh, and then Miguel Sano's defense. I thought he looked really good defensively those first two games. Um, he didn't make any errors. He made a couple of really nice plays. He scooped everything he was, you know, supposed to scoop. He, he made every play he was supposed to play in a, uh, to, to, he made every play he was supposed to make in a couple that maybe we wouldn't expect him to make. So those are all positives. Um, as far as the negatives, uh, you know, I mean, obviously Zach Littell melted down. Um, and I think there, there could be some, some bullpen issues at the front end. Uh, but the back end of the bullpen, I still have a lot of confidence in. So um, I don't know that there were that many negatives. I really don't. I mean, it, you know, they got blown out yesterday, but that was, that was, you know, Dobnik was in a short start, uh, you know, on short rest or, or not on short rest, but wasn't um, expecting to start until the night before. He pitched well. It was just the front end of the bullpen that melted down. So honestly, I think this, they're in great shape and they look like they're going to be a World Series contender as we all expected. Yeah, I would. I think the panic button for me is just, uh, it's not a panic button, it's just let's have a watchful eye on the pitching staff as a whole. I think the offense is obviously there. Um, obviously, Nelson Cruz was amazing. Max Kepler, I know, basically went 0 for 10 after hitting those first two home runs, but that's, that doesn't concern me. And also, I know there are some people who are, and this, and this is what's going to happen in this 60-game season, but Josh Donaldson goes, what, like maybe 1 for 11, 2 for 12 and in one this hit. series? One hit. Yeah. And yep, reached on an error today, but also I thought took really good at bats. He drew a few walks, and this dude's defense is also amazing. So even though there's probably some people who are saying, whoa, well, Josh Donaldson, Josh Donaldson, he was supposed to be the savior. He goes one for 12 in the series. Pump the brakes. It's okay. He also hit, what, 259 last year, and, and you need to get out of batting average stats. Look at what he does defensively. Look what he brings at the plate. I think the dude has a lot of swagger as well. And I'm not concerned about him, but if, if my panic button is there, it's just more of let's have a watchful eye on how this pitching staff works going into 2020. And and here's what I love about Donaldson. When he would ground out, you know, or ground into a double play or whatever, it was like an F-bomb the second that he yeah. stepped on first base, right? I just love his intensity. Like, he is into every moment of every game. And for a twin team that's really laid back, and Rocco's a really laid back guy, and I think that's yeah. a good thing overall. It's yes. nice to have a presence like that with Donaldson. He is a pro's pro, too. I loved the, the play. It was early in today's game where they called him safe at first base. They reviewed it, and it was clear that he was going to be called out. And so Donaldson said, bleep it, and went in the dugout. And, yeah. like, they didn't even – they hadn't even ruled. I mean, this guy is a – this guy is a hardcore veteran savvy major league player who who – there's no BS, right? Uh, but to – to uh, Dex's point, too, I think what impresses me, and, and this is, yes, Josh didn't have a, a good three games, a good first three games, but what impresses me is you score 27 runs, and he had one hit. And and right. the thing about what the Twins are going to do um, in, in obviously, different incarnations on a daily basis here for this 60-game uh, season, the thing that impresses me is the lineup is a nightmare. It's like Donaldson... If you're the White Sox, you go back through this series and you say, okay, Cruz killed us. He always does. We gave up 27 runs. And, oh, by the way, Donaldson had one hit. Like, think about that. That's frightening. If you're a team that has to face the Twins, like you would think if I if I didn't provide scores and I just gave you um, who did what hits-wise, right, and you saw, oh, okay, three games, Josh Donaldson, one hit. 
Um, White Sox probably won a game, which they did. But let's also then flip to say, but I bet a few of those games were really close, right? Like Friday, really close, or Sunday, really close. It was 14 to 2 today, boys. So I think what we're seeing is, is this lineup is potentially so impactful on an everyday basis that one of the guys who's probably expected to have and is well paid to have a great season for you basically gets off to a rough start. And it doesn't matter. Think about that for a second. And, and I also think I, I I saw that people were like maybe kind of criticizing Donaldson for not running out that first one in the first inning where he just he ran to the dugout. This dude is thirty five years old, like threat thirty four, thirty five years old. He's won an MVP. He's basically accomplished everything there is to accomplish. I don't need to see him go hard nose into the first base. This typical old school baseball thinking of run out every play. Like it's Josh Donaldson, dude. He is arguably one of the top 10, 15 players in baseball. If he doesn't want to run out a meaningless game three grounder to the left side of the field, I'm okay with that. Let's get out of our heads of like, he has to be the twins way and running out the extra base and taking this. Like, I don't care about that. What I do care about is this dude takes professional at bats. He's an MVP. He is a gold glove third baseman. That's what I care about. And I want that swagger on a Minnesota sports team that basically has not existed since Kevin Garnett and Randy Moss haven't been in this town. I want the swagger on the team. Absolutely. Here's a here's an interesting short-term question for you guys in, in terms of the lineup depth. Jake Cave has been unbelievable, right? He had a two, big two-run single in the first inning of game one, hit a grand slam today. So what do you do? You have to put Buxton back in the lineup, obviously, when he's healthy, right? I mean, you need to play Buxton. Uh, do you sit Eddie Rosario right now? Because Cave has the hot bat, right? The Cardinals are starting two righties, and I get that that Rosario is a lefty just like Cave, but I don't know how you can take Cave out of the lineup right now. And Rosario has not looked that good. He made two bad defensive plays uh, in the yeah. game. Yesterday, one of which, <laughs> one of which uh, cost them the first run of the game. I don't know, man. I, I think at some point you, you might have to sit, sit Eddie down for a few games uh, until he gets hot because right now Cave is a better player. He is, but Rocco won't do it. And Rocco. So, so the way to Dex's point too. Okay. The Donaldson thing. For the most part, across the board, I agree with Dex. Like, if anybody takes to Twitter, Josh Donaldson did not run hard on that play, and I saw it, and we're paying him lots. And by the way, why can't he pitch? Just calm down, okay? <laughs> but the Rosario thing on Saturday did bug me because he forfeited the first run with with a terrible throw that I don't know exactly where it, it was, was going. But the runner scored from first base. And if that throw hits the cutoff man, there is a play at the plate. And I think the man might be out. Okay. And then throughout the course of that game, he also made another throw from left field that I have no clue what he was doing. Um, but did you notice to today, unless I'm wrong here, it looked to me like he, as the Twins took the 12-run lead and Rocco started to take guys out, I don't think he took Rosario out. And I think that's how Rocco handles Rosario, like I think it would have been a very easy game. You're up by 12. You're in Chicago. It's game three. You're going home day off. Eddie, get out of the game. Um, but I believe Cave went to right. Um, Whitefield went to center field. And Rosario, I believe, stayed in. Uh, but the one thing I will say, Rocco doesn't appear to like to handle Rosario by benching him or disciplining him or not playing him. So, Jake, I get your point. I think you're probably right, and Jake Cave's been great. I think what this is going to probably give them an excuse to do for now is to continue to withhold Buxton as long as possible, which I would not do for too long, but I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, 
60 games, 162. The Twins are always going to, I really believe, err on the side of caution. I would not be surprised if we don't see Buxton until Wednesday or the start of the Pittsburgh series here next weekend. Just but if, th- they, if they do that, then they've completely wasted a roster spot because you could have put him on the 10-day IL and backdate it three days, which is what they're going to do with Odorizzi, and he would only miss a week. So if he doesn't play in the home opener or doesn't play in that Cardinal series at all, then you've just wasted a spot. But he drove to Chicago to take part in the ceremonies, and, and Rocco had made it sound like Buxton might play. And then I think it was Falvey talked to the media boys on Friday and made it very clear that Buxton wouldn't play. And then, if I'm not mistaken, after Saturday's game, Buxton drove home here and worked out at CHS Field on Sunday today in St. Paul. So the Twins handling with Byron is sometimes odd. So, again, Jake, I think you're right, but – I think their excuse to continue to play cave decks would probably be to withhold Buxton until, as I said, Wednesday or the start of that uh, the next series, which which I think I'm wrong. It's not Pittsburgh. I think it's Cleveland. But I don't think they're going to not play Rosario against right-handed pitching. I could see them trying to continue to play uh, cave, at least in the home opener on Tuesday in center field. Yeah, I Jake Cave obviously has a bat I think that can play. I think Jake Cave's bat is an everyday player. He's got some fielding issues. He's obviously not Byron Buxton. He 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 is a below average defender in my opinion, but the guy can swing the bat. We saw it with the Grand Slam. We saw it last year in like what 110 games. The guy hit double digit home runs. He was a pretty good player with with on offense. But I I would say that Eddie Rosario, they just know who he is and and even though those miscues can cost you, and now it's heightened in a 60 game season. They just know that's Eddie Rosario. I'm not saying that that's the right play to do, but that is Eddie. Like, that's that's who Eddie has been for the last five, six years, that he's kind of this wild card loose cannon that can make a play that he, he makes a big swing of the bat or a flare for the dramatic, but he also has a couple of those plays where it makes you scratch your head and pull your hair out thing, saying, like, what the hell are you doing? Um, with Jake Cave, I, I kind of lean with Judd on they're probably now just going to slow Byron Buxton into this. Like, Jake, you're saying you, maybe you just should have IL'd him from the start if he's probably not even going to play until maybe Tuesday, Wednesday at best, but maybe more realistically next Friday. So it, it's it's an interesting spot, and I do believe it's good problems to have because you have bench players on this team, quote-unquote bench players like Jake Cave, Ari Adrianza, and Marlon Gonzalez, who honestly are like super utility players. So Adrianza and Marlon Gonzalez can go all over the diamond. They're not... Obviously, Adrian's is probably not an everyday player on a, on a normal team, but Marlon Gonzalez is, Jake Cave's bat is. So I think just the strategic of your uh, the deployment of your offense is through the roof. Like this is a good. I, I don't question Rocco Baldelli's offensive decision making just because there's so many cards at his disposal that he can use every day. Yeah, for sure. And Rosario is an uber talented player, and you take the good with the bad with him. I mean, I I was there in Boston when he threw out uh, Devers at the plate to save that game. I mean. You know, he makes spectacular plays and he hits big home runs. It's just some of the mental gaps in the field and the bad at bats that he takes at times. It's just like the talent that that dude has. And he's a smart guy, too. When you hear him talk about hitting, he, he's a smart guy. But it's just I don't know if he just zones out or, or what the deal is. It's just he's a frustrating player to watch. And I agree. Cave defensively has issues as well. So in a lot of ways, they're almost the same type of player. A lefty outfielder with a big bat who, you know, has some defensive issues. Right. I just think. In a 60-game year, right, you have to go with the hot hand. You have to go with the hot bat. And right now, Jake Cave, I mean, he, you know, I mean, that grand slam today pretty much, I don't want to say ended the game, but, I mean, it obviously. No, you're right. It, it, it did. It, it did. pretty much did. It did. Yeah. yeah. That was, I mean, the game took forever, but that <laughs> pretty much put a conclusion to the, the game 
in the first. You are correct about that, Jake. I want to ask you guys one more one question, though. With Justin Verlander, so Justin Verlander is out for the year, right? That news just dropped today. Uh, so that's a huge blow for Houston. The Yankees are probably the favorites, but do you see the Twins as the second best team in the American League now? I think they are. I think yeah. they, I, I, yeah, I, I would say they are. Um, obviously, Houston, they lost Garrett Cole. That offense is still very, very good. Cheating or not, that offense I still think is top five, top three in the major leagues. But if you lose Justin Verlander, that number one horse in the rotation, all of a sudden, I mean, is the, Twi- is the Astros starting rotation that much better than the Twins without Justin Verlander now? Like, that's my biggest question that I have. I got to see Odo come back, Rich Hill pitch. And then I can tell you, right now, right now, I think if you're a Twins fan in a shortened season, there has to be concern about starting pitching. I just think that at this point, because we, we don't know. And Rich Hill, uh, yes, he is 40. And yes, it's not surprising that he might have some problems. But we're almost talking about boys, Rich Hill, in the same vein in some ways that we talk about Buxton. Like, if he can do this, he's really good. But then it's always like, but he can't do it right now. Okay, next week it'll be great. And it doesn't happen. Um, so I think that on paper, if things come together for the Twins, I think that there's a very good case to be made that they are the second-best team in the American League to the Yankees. But the starting pitching staff has to clear itself up some because right now I'm a little bit concerned and you are le- there's not a lot of room here now for, well, we'll just start Thorpe and Dominic and it's going to be fine. I like that depth. I like the depth that the pitching has, but just as far as top arm, okay, I can send these guys into a series. And don't forget, too, this is all going to become uh, very intriguing, assuming, and I'm going to assume the Twins make the playoffs, in the first round when we're talking two of three. And you're talking three three games here, gentlemen. And, okay, the Yankees are going to send out some boppers there. uh, and, And the Twins are certainly going to score runs. And, yes, the Twins could beat up on a team to win two of three. But when we're talking about pitching, if it's if it's Barrios pitching well, Odo healthy, Maeda, feel pretty good about that. Or Rich Hill, feel pr- pretty good about that. But until I see that all start to come together, and I'm sure it's going to happen, that concerns me. But yes, I do think offensively these Twins are going to be a nightmare. And, and again, when you can score twenty what twenty seven runs, and Josh Donaldson has count them one hit, you're doing something that's going to scare people. And I think that's what I'm talking about with the deployment of the pitching staff. It's clearly not going to be a traditional, like, all right, you have a one, two, three playoff rotation. These two guys can go seven. This third guy can maybe go five, six. I think everything is now just, like, hyper-analyzed and how you're going to deploy it matters. So if Barrios can only go five, you can only go five. If Oda Rizzi can only go four, he goes four. If you want to tag team Hill and Maeda as a combo, that's also great. I, I, that's what I'm curious to see. Can, the starting, can you, like, basically manipulate the entire deployment of a pitching staff. That's what I'm curious to see what, what you can do in, in 2020 with this shortened season. Yeah. Closing thoughts, Jake, to people? Well, I just think this team is very legit. And like I said on our podcast uh, on Thursday, if Rich Hill and Byron Buxton are healthy in October, I think this team is going to win the World Series. You're and Mackie. I, you're, you're both I'm in the I, I've, turned in, I've turned into Mackie. But I really do. Because, if Rich, because Rich Hill, as I've said many times, when he pitches, he is an ace, Right. He could be your one in the playoffs if he's healthy. With Maeda as your two, or Barrios as your two, and Maeda as your three. I just think if that guy's healthy and pitching well and Buxton is healthy and hitting, yep. I mean, I who would want to face this lineup? Nobody. Replace the word if, and I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Story, story of Minnesota Buxton, sports right Hill, there. Replace it with when, and I'm, I'm on board. I'm right. on the floor. 
But right. this weekend answered every question or a lot of que- a lot of the question about whether regression was coming. It was only three games. It's a tiny sample size, but they looked exactly how they looked last season. Agreed. Dex, closing thoughts. Are you good? Yeah, I mean, I, I was impressed with the lineup. I'm I'm glad baseball's back. I mean, even just taking a little bit off Cantor, we had three baseball games that were great. Two, I guess, say two out of three baseball games that are great today. But we had 27 innings to watch. We had a great WNBA game with the Lynx on this afternoon. The Wild come back this next week. Sports are back. So that's all I honestly care Thank about. God. Yes. God. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. We're done. Thanks for uh, tuning in to Last Call. I'm sure we'll be back at some point soon to be talking about another twin series. Uh, For Jake DePio, Declan Goff, I'm Judd Zolgad. Uh, Talk to you soon. Have a great day.